Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Today, I'm joined by Hunter. Hey. And Leslie. Hello. And we're going to talk about Gen Con and just some of the impressions of this year's Gen Con, what happened, what they did, and some of the cool things that came from that. We're going to have an episode similar to our Origins episode where we did a quick fire of reviews, but that's going to be the next one. So before we jump in, let's talk about what we've been playing. Hunter, why don't you start us off? Sure. So we have been having some work done in our house, so we <laughs> went and played at a local brewery. So my friend brought a game that uh, I had been wanting to try, and I brought one of my kind of favorite classics to mm-hmm. play as well, Istanbul. So Istanbul is kind of a pick up and deliver game, okay? but it's got an interesting way that uh, it forces you to move around the board. So you have to drop pieces off or pick pieces up wherever you go. Otherwise, you can't use the action. You've played it, right? I am trying to remember if I did. Without the expansion, it's a four by four grid of locations and you move around but between one and two spaces when your turn mm. comes up and you activate that location. So I find it to be very fun and deep strategy. You get to do stuff every turn. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. and turns go really fast. So mm-hmm. I find it enjoyable because you're very easily able to like look around when it's not your turn and figure out what kind of things you can do and where you can go. There's a lot of strategy for like picking things up and moving things around. Yeah, and it plays very quickly like at this point, with three players, my friends and I play it in about 40 minutes. So oh, okay. it's a really great closer for the mm-hmm. night. So that's actually what we use it for because the brewery was closing down. And the game we were playing le- leading up to that was The Reckoners. Okay. So we played it three times. And each time we tried to raise the difficulty a little bit. I will say that it comes in a huge box. And most mm-hmm. of that is just from the... It has a game trays insert. And the okay. game trays inserts you use to play on so like each player is a player board that is a game tray and each location is a game tray it's almost like a yahtzee style game Mm -hmm. you roll these big chunky dice and then you can re-roll them to get other symbols and then it's co-op so after that you are basically these normal guys that are trying to defeat these superheroes like there are no good superheroes they've all gotten corrupt by their power and so you're trying to use these dice to perform actions to stop them from taking over the city. I think it's supposed to be Chicago. Okay. It's thematic to what that book series. Yes. The Reckoners, which is a Brandon Sanderson book series. Okay. So each character has a special ability and a special die that allows them to do one of the six actions better than the other characters. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was lighter than I expected it to be and not as thematic as I expected it to be. I was going to ask, because you, one of the things that you hate about board games is roll to resolve. Yep. Did this have a lot of that? So you weren't rolling to resolve necessarily. You were rolling to pick the actions you're going to get okay. during the turn. That does sound a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but it just, when you hear about what the game is about, yeah, I think... There's a certain expectation, especially when you see this big box. Mm-hmm. Like I'm expecting a story, something interesting. Yeah. Like I would say that the mechanics with a lot of the superheroes that you have to defeat are kind of thematic for the names of them and everything, mm-hmm. but it's still very boiled down. Like okay. it's like, oh, this guy does two damage here and you need this symbol to, to knock him down here. The one thing I thought was interesting is that some of the characters mm-hmm. have infinite health until you research their weakness. 
Oh, okay. And I thought that would be also more thematic. I thought it'd be like you would actually like get a story snippet or something to yeah, say yeah. their weakness was this. But instead, it's just you put you know four dice on this track, and then you discover their weakness, quote unquote, and then it sets mm. their health to a number. And there was no explanation. There's no or, flavor in it. Yeah. At all. So I would still play it. I, honestly, in the same way that we played Istanbul, like a kind of a closer. But I would never want to play this game as like. The mainstay of the night. Yeah. 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 Again. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I think not to take this segue, but uh, I'm going to take the segue. Um, <laughs> I think we've been pretty spoiled by the story in Betrayal Legacy, which we just finished. Mm. There's been such good story and such entertainment by that game. We've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of it. And so when you see that big box, you think, oh, there's going to be all this story. And, and, that just tends to be something that we're attracted to in games anyway. So, so yeah. Yeah, so Betrayal Legacy. Yeah, we finished our campaign right before we left for Gen Con. Uh, well, a few days before we left for Gen Con. So we spent one day playing the last three games. It got a little tense, actually, mm-hmm. more so than the other sessions, I think. One person who, unfortunately, had never been the traitor before was the traitor. So she didn't know any of the trader rules um, and that was difficult and we had she almost had us though yeah we had a scenario that lasted three hours yeah three and a half holy crap it took forever yeah and we were like about to just call it and then my friend matt and i who've been playing games since we were like 14 Mm -hmm. together so we know how we play and think yeah we were the last two surviving not traders yeah and we just gamed the hell out of that last like round and a half we're like okay if we do this and this and this we're gonna win but we almost just called it because we almost never had the traitor win and and it was her first time being the traitor and she had basically painted us into a corner but also the scenario was I, i need to come up with a term for this but it's like in villainous when in order to win you must play the last card of your deck but it takes forever to get through your deck and this it was we had to find certain symbols and we basically had to go through every single location in the entire deck of locations yeah. to get it. And then with no mechanic to search for locations or, you know, and in mm-hmm. villainous for some of the characters, there's no way to search for the cards. I'm like, how do people see that as being a viable idea? Yeah. Like, how does that survive playtesting? So that was a bit, a little frustrating, but I think it was still exciting. We were all a little disappointed because we all liked the theme of the scenario. Yeah. But I will say the final scenario, everyone felt cool and we won and it felt so awesome. Yeah. And it ended right before the traitor reveal, which uh, I was pretty happy because I would have been the traitor. (laughs) (laughs) Saved. Yeah. The way everything played out, I would have ended up being the traitor. Okay. And after having just finished Time Stories, the whole campaign for Time Stories, I think we were much more satisfied with the way Betrayal Legacy ended. Mm. Like time stories left a really, really bad taste in our mouth. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. I, I thought I saw on the picture of, of your Gen Con hall another time stories box. Nope. No. That, oh. Well, there's A, there's not another one out. Mm. Oh, we can talk about the purchases. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely can talk Once about we get to Gen the Con. purchases. Yeah. I just thought I saw a white box there. I yep. didn't look too close. And I'm like, oh, there's another <laughs> time stories. Now I've got to look up the picture. I know see. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it when we get to the Gen Con Hall. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So we should Fine. talk about our last game. 
So then I'm sure Jacob has some games oh. he will talk yeah. about. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? The one that's your favorite type of animal. Beelives. Oh, the Beelives game. So I got Beelives. Um, I backed it in the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. We came in the mail and we kind of failed to play it. We played a few rounds. We got some rules wrong. And then conveniently, we're able to go ask the people who made the game. Um, <laughs> That's very if we were playing yeah. it wrong while we were at Gen Con, so well, we weren't really playing it wrong. It's just I kind of broke the game, oh, and okay. it didn't really explain properly in the rule book how one of the things worked. So you start with three workers essentially, mm-hmm. but there's a way that workers go away. And I had gotten to the point where I only had one worker left at uh, each round, and Leslie had like had a 12. bunch. Okay. So I was just like, okay, I moved my one guy on the board. Now you just go do whatever the hell you want. And Mm. turns out there was something that the rules don't really say that we weren't doing correctly. And they were grateful. They were like, oh yeah, we we'll we'll fix that in the rule book. And we're like, good, cool, thanks. (laughs) That's awesome. The art is really good. It's I'm highly amused that they call the figures beeples. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it says on the back includes however many beeples. The theme was cool and like the gameplay seemed interesting, but I'm a little bit worried about when you get further on in the game, there's a lot of like AI things that happen, like mm. where you're not doing anything, you just have to resolve all these AI things. Okay. Well, and I'm not sure how that's going to play out, so I'll be curious when we, we have get to, to actually point. finish a whole game. Yeah. Fair enough. But for the record, my favorite animal would be a hedgehog. Right. So I was confused <laughs> when you said my favorite animal. Now we can uh, jump into the other game that you were mentioning, which is uh, the one that we just finished playing. Yeah, Unmatched, which was a Gen Con pickup. So we'll talk about that later, too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But we we played it at Origins. We knew within two turns of demoing it that we wanted to get it. I still have yet to play as anyone other than Alice. <laughs> and I I may not ever play any. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I when Buffy comes out, you're going to play as Buffy. Yes. <laughs> or Willow. If or was Willow. That Probably Willow yeah. and Buffy and hopefully Faith. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Hunter doesn't know because Hunter has not seen Buffy. You can't say it that way anymore. I've seen almost two seasons. Yeah. We're halfway through season two because when we were at Origins and the actress who played Drusilla, Juliet Landau, and Charisma Carpenter who played Cordelia were at the convention, I showed him the picture in the book and yeah. he didn't recognize them. Uh, and I was like, this has gone on long enough. We are fixing this. <laughs> but I think we have some polarizing opinions on Unmatched here. We so. do. We do, which is uh, unique for the podcast because we typically all agree. So yeah. so where you guys had a really great first impression of the game, when I played it, I was not at all impressed. <laughs> I thought that it was actually pretty boring after the one game that we played. I'm definitely willing to give it a shot again because uh, I've only played one of the heroes and, you know, Robin Hood, maybe it just didn't click with me. It wasn't my style, Mm -hmm. but it just seemed extremely generic in terms of like, you know, just how the attacking all that stuff worked. Even though I had a few special cards, most of them just seemed the same as everyone else's and the abilities just didn't seem like they were that unique for Robin Hood. Uh, some of the other stuff could be cool like alice can get big and small and that can affect stuff so that that's pretty interesting but in general i think one of the big things that i was lacking and this is something that i i think i'm noticing about games that have like you moving around a map is that i want to be able to move around the map more Mm -hmm. where it's like in this game i stayed in back row 
But, but that know, was your choice. Game. Sort of. It was we my choice. We also cornered him. Well, uh, but that was the end of the round. That was the end of the round. But even then, like, just the fact that I was only able to move two spaces per turn. Mm. Uh, I mean, there, there's the mechanic of, like, losing the card and using that. Maybe I should have used that a little bit more. But that's why I'm willing to give it another shot. But in general, I just felt like, I was like, oh, okay. I, I move here and shoot. And I have played this game probably about almost a dozen times now. And I have played as have you played all the heroes? Not Alice yet. <laughs> because other people keep taking that one. Uh, not just me, guys. Not just me. That's true. So I've played six of the heroes. And I actually think each character plays very differently. But the rules are very simple. So it's like, yeah. yes, there's not a huge shift necessarily between each character. But they're nuanced differences and there are some that are vastly different from each other i don't think we really played any of the characters that have the massive differences because i think uh well bruce lee actually but he never managed to pull off the bruce lee crazy combo attacks but i think some of it's also in that it's about learning how each character plays and learning to play against each character that i think is really interesting because you didn't see Bruce Lee do some of that stuff because I know how Bruce Lee plays now. So when I played as King Arthur, I was always trying to make sure I was never next to Bruce Lee at the end of my turn. Yeah. Because otherwise he can just wreck you. And then I also made sure that I had defense cards that let me move as well. So even if he got extra attacks, he had to come after me more. So yeah, you might try it again, but you know, not every game's for everybody. Yeah. So it's, I'd still say my Origins review of Top Shelf Stands. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. I like that it's a shorter game. So once you know how to play it, you and one other person can play it in like 20 minutes. So it's easy for yeah. when Hunter is desperate to play a game in the evening, we can knock <laughs> out a game in 20 minutes. And and it's a little bit more complex than just like one of those really, really simple games. I don't, mm-hmm. I can't think of one right now, of course, but there's a lot of like simple games that take up the 15, 20 minute yeah you know box and this one is a little bit more complex and a little bit more interesting i like that it's very thematic i find alice's cards in particular to be very thematic i like all the names there's definitely a card called snickersnack and her buddy is the jabberwocky and that's pretty cool you know the downside of a game where you're pulling cards to do actions is you know in this last game we played i ended up with no defense cards and so I died because I had got hit twice in one turn for yeah. a total of 10 and I didn't have a chance to pull any cards. So I just had no defense. Yeah, normally that might bother me in a game, but since like we taught two new people how to play and we mm-hmm. played in 40 minutes, less, less than 40 minutes, two on two. So Totally. Yeah. No, it's a quick game and I think that that's definitely, that definitely goes in favor of it. It's also, like you said, just not my style of game. I don't yeah. like direct head-on confrontations a lot of times. So to each their own. So Gen Con? Yep. Gen Con. <laughs> Shall we? Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump right in. So you two got to go to Gen Con. Yes. I just got to go to a Gen Con pop-up. Right. <laughs> First impressions, this Gen Con compared to other Gen Cons. What did you think? Um, For me, it was pretty high up there. Two years ago was the 50th anniversary of Gen Con, and that was pretty epic on a number of levels. And it kind of last year felt like there was not a lot to be excited about. I think maybe everybody had so many things out for Gen Con 50. I remember wandering around the last day thinking I hadn't bought a game and I felt like I should buy a game, but there was just nothing I was really excited about. I know 
I almost bought Everdell last year, but then I didn't. But this year, there was a lot of games we were excited to play, a lot of things we were excited to buy. We spent our fair share of money. Yeah. Um. (laughs) I'm the same. I mean, last year... I bought, I think, one game. I checked my BGG plays, and I only yeah. had played Lowlands, which was a very good game, mm-hmm. very good pickup from last year. But that was like the only one, like a, that I had been playing after Gen Con. And this year, I felt like other people bought games that I was interested in and that I didn't want to buy because I had already bought so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Our, so our friend did did buy the Star Destroyer. <laughs> I have a picture of Hunter hugging the Star Destroyer. Yes, the super, super Star Destroyer. Excuse me, super Star Destroyer. And that's how we came up with the name of our new band, Everything But the Star Destroyer. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Let's see, we also tried out the BGG Hot Games Room. Yeah, how was that? So it's uh, $2 per hour per person. Interesting. Um, so it's like $4 for, for their two-hour time slots. They're pretty strict on the time slots because people are like running in and out of there. They literally have like all the hot games okay. and some things that aren't even out yet. For example, they did have a copy of Rurik, mm-hmm. which was not available for sale at the convention because it hasn't. Yeah. it's not out yet. We actually know the designer of Rurik. So we went to a party with him and he showed me the, the game and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want to play that in the hot games room. But so they did even have things that aren't out yet. They had tons, like every game all lined up in alphabetical order. It was probably like 10 tables worth of games. Wow. It was pretty well organized. And they, they definitely had the, the BGG staff wandering around making mm-hmm. sure games were continuing to stay in order. Our friend Scott actually re-alphabetized some of their games for that. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> did you miss that? I did. He was like, I can't, I can't. And he put his stuff down and fixed something. It was pretty funny. Um, but they, they were very strict. Everybody was given a card with the time you had to leave by. And they made announcements at the end of every hour to remind people to finish up their games. So that was, that was interesting. It was a little I was, intense. <laughs> I was not actually sure that when we first went in there, anyone else was going to like the experience. Yeah. But then after the, we did two sessions and after the first one, everyone that went, that was like, that was actually pretty cool. And I was like, oh mm. good. Cause it yeah. wasn't cheap, but we yeah. did get to play almost full games or full games of a couple of things that we wanted to try that would have been difficult to get demos in on the floor. So I think it was really good for that purpose. If there's new stuff that you want to play more than just a quick one round demo, but you have to learn the game yourself there. Right. Okay. So there's nobody coming around to help you. It's not Mm. the Rio Grande games room, which I haven't gone to in like three years now. (laughs) (laughs) So with that one, the way that I'm understanding is like you get, you pay for a certain amount of time and then, or is it just like you pay for an hour and then you're out after that hour? You pay, it's two hours. Two hours. Two hours. Okay. And then, how many games were you getting in there? Because like two hours seems like you know you could uh, get like up to maybe two games in. So the first session we played one round of a it was a game that you could choose how many rounds you played. Yeah. Mm. And and half of the second game. The first one was Rail Pass, and that one is you choose how many rounds you play. And the second one we played Set a Watch. And in that game, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in a little bit, but yeah. each person is supposed to set their watch twice, and we each did once. Okay. Um, yeah. And the second one, we only played one game, and that was quite a bit more complicated game. But but for but me... We, but we finished it. We did. Just barely. Just barely. Mm-hmm. So I, I read the rules when we sat down, and we yeah finished it in just at two hours. 
And I think for me, of the three, that was my favorite. Yeah, I think so. The two people we were with completely fell in love with Set a Watch, which also sold out at Gen Con. There was a lot of things selling out this year. I don't yeah. think it was like that last year. No. Yeah, so that actually brings me to the the floor. Like, where are you actually getting to like, you know, take a look at all this? Yeah. What were some of your, your best impressions of like the booths and on all that kind of stuff that as you were walking around? Well, I would say it felt a lot busier than last year. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of friends that work for different companies or run different companies. And they were all, I mean, even our friend that's an artist, like everyone... Yeah. By the halfway point of the con, like before Saturday even got there, everyone had already made more sales than last year. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Other than the normal busy times, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it ever felt terribly crowded. Okay. I mean, Thursday morning, yeah. Yeah. Thursday morning was pretty brutal. Thursday morning was kind of terrible. Sunday, right before we left, was getting pretty packed. One interesting thing that is new is that because Asmodee has acquired so many different companies they had one game center where you could purchase games Mm -hmm. and for um crowd purposes for like fire code Mm -hmm. we're only allowed to line people up around their booth okay the line couldn't go further than past their booth Hmm. so you had the line and then a mob of people waiting for there to be a space in the line interesting and then they were like you can't stand here you just can't So they kept pushing people away and they started yelling. I felt so bad for the guy at the end of the line Mm -hmm. because I literally saw him at the end of the line every time I went past that booth. And poor guy, it was his first Gen Con. I felt so sorry for him because they had games from Simon in there. They had games from Z-Man, Plaid Hat. I don't know. There was a wall of like... I don't know, 30 or 50 companies that they had games for in there. Yeah. So, and there was a lot of really hot games that people wanted. So Mm. that was difficult. I will have to say that the Ravensburger booth, which had Horrified and Jaws and the new Villainous expansion, which Mm -hmm. is super popular, they did a spectacular job of managing their crowds because they also had the same problem. Their booth was actually probably a little bit smaller than the other booth. They lined people up against the end of the wall Mm -hmm. and they had a bunch of runners going back and forth okay we have room for five more people in line so you were able to line up and wait for your spot in line and they had two lines on each side of their booth okay so the lines actually moved very quickly it was very smooth i actually went through that line twice because i had two friends that bought horrified one on thursday and one on saturday saturday Mm -hmm. and it that was pretty great I This is the first year that I have pre-ordered because I think, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if pre-order was a thing at last Gen Con, but it was at Essen and I think that might have been the first time they started it. So on Board Game Geek, mm-hmm. if you go to the preview for the convention, there's a whole bunch that are pre-order. Yeah. So you can go on there, pre-order them, and then you just show up at the booth and you give them your name or show them a receipt or whatever, and they just hand you the stuff you bought. And I did that for Unmatched and for King's Dilemma. And I'm so glad that I did because I didn't ever have to worry about rushing for King's Dilemma. And I got a copy and they did sell out of that. Just like, mm-hmm. of course, there's a theme here. Yep. They also sold out of Unmatched. I, so many people came by while I was guarding our copy of Unmatched going, that's a really good game. How did you get a copy? <laughs> uh, and yeah, I got, so I got that one. Uh, so the, uh, the pre-order system, I really hope it takes off. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I think, on the companies to actually be organized about how they deal with the pre-order customers because yeah. it almost felt like 
for the pre-orders, we were in a separate line and it was not necessarily faster. It was just a little bit shorter. It, so was, it, it takes, was more guaranteed than anything else. Yeah. yeah. So there was less stress that in that regard. As far as like good highlights, the Kingdom Death booth is always epic. They have all kinds of cool miniatures on display and really awesome display cases and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of cool stuff over there. So even just walking by and seeing that is always a kind of nice spectacle for me. And I think that the, you know, although the Asmodee booth for selling yeah. is kind of a mess, they have a awesome amount of play space and demo space. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, I think, sacrifice some space for like additional lines. Mm-hmm to have just tons of demo space. So I demoed some stuff in there. I looked around at a bunch of stuff. It was very well spaced out. Mm -hmm. Um, It does kind of disrupt the flow of where you're trying to walk to see everything in the con, but those are also the most open areas where there's not a lot of traffic. So I will say randomly, I don't know if it was pure luck or what, but I tried to get into the Asmodee line on Thursday morning, could not get in. Randomly, we're like, oh, well, I think it was later that day. It was the same day, right? We went Mm. back over there. I think it was. I don't remember. Anyway, I think it was the same day after we went to the hot games room. We were like, oh, well, let's go see how the line is at the Asmodee booth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we walked over. We got in line. There was like six people ahead of us. And there was the game we were. The hottest game of the convention, Black Angel, was sitting right there waiting for us to buy it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, I guess... I don't know if they just brought more copies because yeah. I was basically told they only had 250 copies and there was more than that in line or if yeah. enough people gave up trying to get into the line that it yeah. just worked out for me. But I actually think it would not be terrible for them to just randomly throughout the day just put more copies of games out. I think more people would get them. It would be frustrating for some people, but I actually think it might spread spread the love a little bit more. Gamify it almost. i do think that you know going to the colt stadium and seeing like a bunch of nerds playing games on the Mm -hmm. you know a famous football field is pretty awesome and it's also a really great play space and it's very quiet because even with all the people and there's so much space for the noise to go yeah that it's not overwhelming we were next to a mega game that and they were like fairly loud but it didn't Mm -hmm. seem that loud We actually, and also I will like to point out that the Gen Con staff mm-hmm. are really pretty awesome. I've never had any problem with them. Mm-hmm. And like I, if you go up to the uh, like event staff booths in different areas, they will help you. Like we were just like, hey, we're here to play games with just our friends. Yeah. And I walked up and he's like, oh, we have all these tables. How many people do you have? I was like, eh, maybe 20. He's yeah. like, just 20? <laughs> all right, well, here's all these tables just for you. Yeah. yeah, I actually have to tell the funny story that happened while we were over there. Mm-hmm. So we were playing Horrified. You were playing Undaunted, Undaunted with Rob. And this guy runs up because he's in another game and he had been given an assignment to go talk to that group over there mm-hmm. um, and tell us jokes and try to make us laugh. I knew him. Funny story. I knew I've known him for years. He used to be in a, a LARP group. He might still be in the LARP group that I used to be in. And he so he tells us these jokes and then he leaves. And my friend Scott goes, Wait, you knew that guy? How do you know all these people? <laughs> <laughs> Random guy runs up to us at Gen Con as an assignment and it turns yeah. out he knew all of us. It was really funny. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, I'm not surprised, but <laughs> It's still absolutely hilarious. He lives in Manassas. 
There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, it's funny. Even like, I think it happens more origins that you run into random people. Yeah. Uh, but we ran into some of the other podcasters that we know and, mm-hmm. you know, they went out of their way to say hi to us, which was nice. We ran into like a lot of people randomly. It was like really nice to, it's nice to have that community. And it's even people they don't talk to, you just see them and you're like, oh, I played a game with that person two years ago. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, it just in general, the fact that like you went up to Gen Con staff and said like, oh, we have like, what's the group size? Oh, around 20. Like to me, that's just like, I, I'd be like, I have three people. Where where can I sit? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that just like, I think highlights it. You guys, just like we talked about in Origins, you guys just bring everybody into the, that yeah, one group and do. get everyone together and go like, all right, we're going to be here. <laughs> yep. We did. We at one point there there's a ballroom in the Omni and we had like three tables. <laughs> um, but speaking of meeting new people and whatnot, you should tell a Power Ranger story. Oh, yeah. So uh our friend Sam, who designed Forbidden Stars and he's designing a couple of games that are coming up and yep. he worked on Relic and the Talisman expansions and the Elder Sign expansions. We like to give him crap about Talisman. Yeah, we do, <laughs> but it's not all his fault. No. Um, he saw the games that we had to play on Wednesday night. Unfortunately, it's the only time we got to hang out with him because it's Gen Con and everyone's got and he's working. Busy. Yeah. He yeah. was there with Dire Wolf. Okay. Yeah. We got out Power Rangers to play it. He's like, oh, let me just text Jonathan Ying real quick, who is the designer of Imperial Assault and Power Rangers and a couple other games. And uh, Jonathan Ying showed up to teach us how to play Power Rangers. I was like, you're going to be probably doing this all weekend. Are you sure you want to do that? He was like super excited to teach us how to play this game. Yeah. It oh, turns out amazing. this is the first time he had seen anyone playing it in the wild. Oh, so wow. it was kind of like a, I think not nostalgic, but a euphoric kind of a thing for him. Yeah. Yeah to see us uh, doing that and he he was like you might want to only use three cards per turn instead of four it's a very difficult game and we're like bring it and we won <laughs> i think we impressed him maybe and we were like well we play a lot of spirit island he was like oh okay <laughs> it's like that explains it got it yep. yeah no uh, no strangers to a complex game right there no i'll have one other question what is the biggest like surprise that you had at gen con in terms of like either gaming or booze or anything like that like like something that you were not expecting you didn't hear about the game you didn't know anything about it or you didn't know anything about any of that and <sighs> medium yeah so i mean we'll talk more about this i did actually go to one other event that i should probably mention but so i hate party games mm-hmm. i've probably mentioned that before on the podcast i'm not sure but we went to the great Inning games booth and there was a signs everywhere for this game called Medium, and it was a party game. And I, I, but I really liked the art, and I like games. I like greater than games stuff in general. So I picked it up, and I looked at it, and there was a coupon for a free expansion if you bought the game. Yeah. And basically, it's uh, each person plays a card with a word on it. Then you have to pick the medium, so the word that connects the two words that you have. Okay. Right. So if I put down pilot and owl, and you both say fly, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, well, this feels like a party game that I might actually be able to tolerate. Certainly, mm-hmm. I'm not going to love it more than the other games I really love with lots of yeah. strategy, but it sounds like it'd be way more entertaining. And Hunter was like, was this by a party game? <laughs> <laughs> but then he really liked it. And we had this really amazing moment. He played Toaster. Oh. 
and our friend played job and i was like i know exactly what hunter's gonna say and he said as as predicted cylon and i (laughs) can't remember what rob said and so if you don't guess on the first try you do it again with the second set of words okay so then the second set of words was gen con and great and they were like we got this and they looked at each other and they went gen con great Friends! (laughs) Simultaneously. At the same time, and it was one of the best moments. And just from this like random $20 party game, which also sold out at Gen Con, (laughs) theme of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, that was a that was definitely a surprise gaming wise. Man, that's a really hard question. Friends is the easy one, but it's not a surprise. It's like what is a what was a surprise? No, my surprise was that Leslie bought a party game. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think one of the surprises was just like after we've gone to enough Gen Cons and some uh, a couple other smaller cons is I used to feel very starstruck by a lot of mm-hmm. these nerd famous people. And now yeah. it's just like some of them recognize me when they see me. I'm, some of them are actually just my friends and they like we go out of each other's way to like try to hang out. Yeah. And like that is a surprise to me just that these people want to spend time with rando people that yeah. aren't really in the industry mm-hmm. and you know that they're really like inclusive and want to have a good time. So I think that's uh, always surprises me year after year is you know, seeing those people be that way. There we go. Alrighty. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun and maybe next year I'll be at Gen Con and we can all talk about that kind of Ooh. stuff. I did want to say I, the other event that I went to was the, um, Letters Page Live. They do yeah. a live podcast. Yep. They gave us all kazoos. <laughs> okay. That said Letters Page Live 2019. That's pretty awesome. And we got to play their theme song on a kazoo, everybody <laughs> together, which was very entertaining. The rest of it was like, man, everybody in this audience has thought way more than I have about every character in Sentinels of the Multiverse. Because <laughs> they're like, and what do you think would be... Legacy's favorite restaurant. I was like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That was actually a question. That and I was like, crazy. I never thought about that. I don't know that I belong here. But I, it, was, it was still a good time. I went with my friend Drew, who was great. We started going last year. So it's kind of our now tradition. I think you went two years ago. No, last year was the first year. Hmm. And also, what did you learn after that panel? What did I learn? Yeah. What do you mean? That I can't play the kazoo. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's true. So I brought back... Ex- they had tons of extra kazoo. Yeah. So I brought back and gave Hunter a kazoo. And he was like, are you sure you want to give me a kazoo? <laughs> and then I gave one to Scott. And I was like, yeah. And I gave one to Hunter. And he says, you gave Hunter a kazoo? <laughs> Turns out it's fine because he can't play it. I've never been able to play any of those musical <laughs> instruments where you have to blow on them or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, on that random fact, (laughs) uh, (laughs) hope you guys all enjoyed our overview of Gen Con and how the whole convention went.